Hey, 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 you guys. Thank you all so much for being on Black Canvas once again. We're still in season seven, and I have another amazing guest here on the show. His name is Dakota, and if you haven't heard of Dakota before, you're going to learn a lot about his life and his career, and I hope that this will be a great introduction for him to our audience. Dakota is a photographer as well as a creative entrepreneur based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He specializes in lifestyle and outdoor adventure photography, but enjoys shooting just about anything in between. He has worked with a wide variety of local as well as commercial brands and plans to continue to pursue a career as a full-time artist. At the age of 21, he purchased his first home and has spent the last three years renovating it himself from the ground up. Throughout this endeavor, he has learned to work with a few of the elements, such as steel and concrete, that has served as new mediums through which he has expressed himself creatively. Currently, he is getting ready to launch his first rental property on the Airbnb app and begin traveling. And we're so glad to have Mr. Dakota here with us. Thank you so much for being here on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. Happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you here, Dakota. We've kind of been talking to you guys for a few days now, and he said, hey, let's kind of get it out the way and work through it. And I'm so glad that he decided to be on the show. I think he has an amazing career ahead of himself. And so we're going to talk about his career in a little bit, but I just appreciate you making time, especially so close to the holiday weekend. Thank you for being here for sure. Absolutely, man. No problem. All right, so Dakota, I kind of created some questions I thought would be really good for you to answer so that we can learn more about photography. So if you're ready, I can go straight into them. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it. All right. So the first question I have is, which photographers influenced you and how did they their influence your thinking, your photography, or even your career path? Is there any photographer that stood out to you? Oh, Oh, yeah, for sure. There's, there's a bunch. Um, there's definitely, I can say like a few key, probably I'll give like just three of the main ones that really like influenced all three of those areas for me. Um, when I first picked up or was interested in, I guess, in photography, um, I was about 16, 17. Um, and so the first guy that ever kind of got me curious about it his name is joe greer and um at the time he was living in the pacific northwest um i believe in like oregon or seattle one of the two um and he had a super like because it's always moody and overcast there and there's like a lot of fog and, and whatnot he had this very like deep when i guess when we're talking about colors and like actual tones of the light he still to this day i mean his original style um, he, he shoots mostly film now, but his style for sure influenced me a bunch, like the way that I shot and like definitely early on, like the content, cause he was mostly shooting portraits and there's plenty of other people like him, um, that shot similar stuff, but I would say like his style and like the content of what he was making photos of is definitely what got me started. Um, and then there, from there. I would say the next guy that heavily influenced me on like just the the career side um, is a guy named Mike C. Hagel. Um, I reference his work all the time. Um, It's just so good. And he more so does agency type of work. So like 
the types of clients that he works with or worked with at the time and is continuing to work with and the agency he's a part of, I believe it's called Anderson Hopkins. Um, kind of watching him and how he worked and like what he had, the type of gear he would post like in his stories and on set kind of like got me really interested thinking that I might want to take this, like play the long game with photography and just the creative business in general. Um, and uh, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought, but yeah, like he definitely opened the doors for me to realize like it's possible to have like a fulfilling six figure career and support a family and myself for long term um, off of my art. Um, and then probably like the third dude would be Aaron Brimhall. Um, and lately, definitely has influenced me heavily as far as. Um, incorporating more automotive like motorcycles dirt bikes cars and like overall just the style is definitely exhibiting like speed and motion like in the shots um so i guess that was kind of a long answer but yeah i guess that's pretty much how i would what i would summarize like who's influenced me those those dudes are like the main ones and they're they have incredible work if anyone's listening who wants to check them out they're all on instagram well, I'm definitely going to check it out after you we're done with the interview, but I love that you shared three specific um, people who are able to kind of share their work from a different viewpoint. And it's kind of like we think of like years ago, we think like Van Gogh, or we think of like the Harlem Renaissance period, like there's so many different types of art. And just when we think of artists, but now using a camera and using, um, you know, different types of video. And I think it's amazing to just have people who can express themselves in certain ways where we all can connect, even if it's done from a different platform. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, as, and then not just photography, but also film direction, colorists, you know, production teams who build the sets that a lot of these large um, corporations, you know, shoot their ads on. And like, it, it's really, really what intrigued me the most about it is you can develop these skills as you go. Like, I don't necessarily think photography is going to be like the one stop for me. Like I fully intend on developing like other skills and, and maybe um, in a few years we'll be directing more than I'm shooting. Um, but ultimately I just, I really think that I have what it takes to like use my creative skills to help tell the story of brands. And ultimately that's kind of what you're doing when you make this a career a lot of times, you know, and if you're good enough, the brand will trust you to communicate what they want to communicate to their consumers. And like that to me just seems like the dream job really it just seems like that's really what I want to do ultimately is just kind of like tell the story of brands and get to work with the people behind. Cause like a lot of times I think when we buy things like, or when you hear about your favorite, I don't know, like music artists or whoever, like collaborating with a brand, you almost like forget that they're working with people. They're not working with like a logo. You know what I mean? Like you're working with people, like you're right. working with a creative team to like make whatever, like piece of clothing or shoe or like beats, like your custom, like their custom headphone, if they're an athlete or whatever, like there's plenty of athletes who've done stuff like that, like in the sports area too. So like that to me is like ultimately the basis of like having a career, I think is just developing like strong relationships with people at these brands. And that's like kind of what I'm looking 
to spend most of my time doing like over the next five years. Um, hopefully that's the plan. I love that plan. I mean, it kind of goes into, like you said, creative directors and you think of like uh, marketers or people who work in just management in general, you have to, like you said, build relationships and in building those relationships then you start to hone in on your craft of just knowing, you know, timing is, is everything in this business. And you just have to know, like, if, if the time is hot and everything's working together, then you just keep going full force. Um, and I'm going to kind of talk about that in a second, like with COVID-19, um, because many of us were affected by that for sure. Um, but my next question was, um, how would you describe your photography style? And what has fundamentally changed about your work from when you started photography to where you are now? Um. I think I would say like the thing that has definitely fundamentally changed from when I, when I was like 17 in high school, um, was probably, would probably be the fact that I'm like, I've kind of learned that if you want to make money and you want to really advance and build those relationships I was talking about, you need to be shooting for the brands that you want to get. Um, and most of the time this it's, the term for it, I guess, in the professional world is spec work. So you have to be shooting a lot of spec work. Um, I've definitely gotten plenty of like local opportunities through my spec work. Um, I'm just continuing to try and climb up the ladder to the bigger brands, but everyone that I've researched and I've listened to podcasts with some people that I admire sharing their experience and they're much more established than I am. And almost all of them say like they some of their biggest opportunities came from spec work. So when I first picked up a camera, I was kind of just shooting more for fun and taking portraits of like my friends and just random moments on the street and stuff like that. Just like in between, you know, in between moments of life. And that's kind of what got me into it. And, and as well as kind of going out on adventures, like I love the outdoors. Um, I grew up here in New Mexico growing up. You, I, I've spent a lot of time in the mountains. So trail running, mountain biking, snowboarding in the winters, um, so that's kind of also what motivated me to get outside. And now when I'm going outside, if I'm going to shoot, I come up with a plan. Like I make mood boards just in my phone on an app called unfold. And like, I make like somewhat of a visual plan so that I can have a target to hit. I guess that's the main thing is that I'm more intentional if I'm going to be shooting for fun. Like, yes, it's for fun and I'm not necessarily getting paid and sure I'm there to have fun, but I'm also there to get something specific that I think the consumers of whatever brand are going to like resonate with whatever I'm shooting. So that's definitely the biggest thing that's changed from when I started. And that just is from like learning about, it. I didn't know. I mean, you don't know these things too. Like that's the other right. thing. You're just kind of like interested in this and it's fun and you're making, meeting new friends. But like, like I said, when I came across that guy, Mike C. Hagel, that's kind of when I realized, Oh, this is like possible. Like this dude, you know, I, I really like his job and I like what he seems to be doing. So maybe I want to focus more on the kind of like learning about that and learning how to target an audience with whatever I'm shooting and hopefully it sticks at some point. But, um, and then I guess, like I said, my style, I first really started shooting. I grew up running track my whole life um, from age like five so kind of like in track it's the same thing as like soccer where you have like club and then you kind of like move up through the age group so I started when I was about five six years old and then kind of ran club circuit ran in high school and then I did get a scholarship to run in college 
but running was a huge part of my life. And I only ran in college for a year and decided I didn't want to do it anymore. But, um, that's also, I would spend a lot of time like at the meets, like shooting my friends. So that's kind of where I developed like, um, the interest in like getting motion and exhibiting speed and, and movement in my work. And that's kind of what's translated over to like the automotive side. Like lately I, I really ha- enjoy shooting bikes and cars. And like, I just think it's so dope. Like if you can just catch like that blur, that motion blur, someone spraying you with a bunch of sand, like, and freeze that in time and make the viewer feel like they're there watching the bike drift or do a donut or whatever. Like it's not easy to do. And like, it's a challenge. And that's pretty much like why I always strive to try to get that perfect like frame that shows you exactly all the lead lines of the spray and just the speed of whatever vehicle or and whatnot. But yeah, I would say that's probably how I'd mainly describe it. And then I guess with color and light, maybe, yeah, just dark and moody. <laughs> I think a lot of my friends would say all my stuff is so dark. <laughs> like, But I mean, that's just like, I don't know, man. I just my favorite i love overcast i love rain like shooting in the rain or the snow like i love overcast i just love the way the light's more even and there's not as many shadows and i kind of get to like create my own shadows i guess when i'm editing but yeah that's and that's true i love that you mentioned that like when you talk about natural light versus of course artificial lighting or using different types of techniques that you can use with effects um, I think that's a great point to bring up, but I wanted to kind of ask you about, you said like the mood board, is that kind of similar to like a storyboard when we think of like actors and producers with movies? Exactly. Yeah, it's the same thing. And um, I actually learned how to do that. I, there's a couple of guys too, I would say that have also heavily influenced me through their workshops that they put out. Um, this guy named Alex Stroll, he's got a great like online workshop school that I've, I've bought several workshops from. The main ones that helped me the most when learning about like the business were the adventure pro workshop and the storytelling workshop. They were so great. Um, I learned so much and that's really like those workshops really kind of like introduced me and also taught me kind of like where to start when it comes to crafting storyboards. And like I said, this, that's another thing like I learned is like this type of work and this type of career really is long game, you know, there's plenty of cats that make it early on. Um, but that's, uh, they're, they're total anomalies. Um, uh, I mean, the, the majority, just like in TV and film and acting, I would say like the majority of people don't have like their really large breaks or they don't really get established till like they're much later on thirties, forties. Um, Jordan Peele's a great example. I mean, when get out was his first film that he ever wrote, and like directed and was the kind of like part of like producing from start to finish. And he was like mid forties when that came out. So that just shows you like, I think he's amazing. And I think that new movie Nope that he just put out, is great. Um, but I love the way he like, I don't know. I love the way he writes. I love his movies. They're, they're great. And same with like Donald Glover, like he's probably another one of my, my biggest influences because he's so um, mm-hmm. versatile and, you know, he can make music, he writes, he directs, he acts, and like that to me is just amazing to be able to do all that stuff. And I, I, I can say for sure, like I would love to develop multiple skill sets in the business kind of like he he has for sure. He's a heavy influence, I would say. Um, but yeah, going back to the mood board thing, um, that's 
exactly what it is. You're just kind of like giving yourself a visual map so you can refer back to it. And then if you're, if you're kind of running out of ideas, you know, it can spark, it can spark new ones while you're, while you're on set. And that way it keeps like everyone involved same page as well. That's also the other thing. If you're working with a couple different people, you definitely want like everyone to kind of be on the same page when it comes to like the end goal. Absolutely. And I think like that kind of goes into um, my next question, which kind of goes into your daily routine before shooting and after shooting photos. Do you have a routine that you follow? Um, other than um, just, well, I guess I do like um, definitely the mood board. That's part of it. You know, getting the idea flushed out. Like, what do I want to do? What am I trying to get? What am I trying to communicate? what brand is this even going to like resonate with or what brand am I even going to try and make this spec spec ad for, um, checking the light, um, sunset, sunrise, sunset. Like when, when you're working with natural light, you're kind of like, unless you have a lot of modifiers to shoot in the middle of the day, it gets kind of hard when you're outside of like the sunrise blue hour window and then the sunset golden hour window and the dusk window. Um, really you only have, in my opinion, like four hours of like really solid light a day. So when you're, when you, and then of course that's outside of that, you have to be using like modifiers and bounces and stuff like that to light your stuff really good. So, um, your shot really good. So yeah, that's definitely a routine of mine. Like I, I'll, I'll structure it. Usually if I'm going out on a personal spec shoot, I'll definitely work my, work my shoot around either sunrise or sunset and that's i think that goes for like most people who do shoot with natural light it's it's pretty i would say that's pretty common practice um but yeah I've, i'm very like interested in learning more about modifying natural light with stuff like scrims and bounces which just kind of help defuse the harsh light and bring up the shadows if it's really harsh you know and that's a skill that everyone in who directs and directors of photography and um just project directors in general, like in the film industry, I think are all very, very good at um, is learning how to modify light with stuff like that on set in real time. Cause you're just problem solving all day and stuff comes up. So you kind of got to learn how to be ready for anything that might come up that you weren't necessarily expecting to be an issue and kind of like solve it with, to keep, keep yourself on color. Cause like in film as well, um, color is a huge thing. And that goes into a lot of like the location scouting as well. I think that's also how I, yeah, that's also how, like how that's I really pick, um, my locations as well. Like it's very like in depth and like the better I've got at this and the more I learn, <laughs> the more I realize like, I don't know anything because like the second I feel like I'm getting like a little bit better, I'm realizing like I just cracked <laughs> open like a whole new realm of like skill that i i know nothing about and i have to learn and work at so it it definitely is a very humbling thing like each time i seem to reach a new like level of skill i'm back to back to zero you know in a way not like zero but i feel that way because there's i i reach a new level and then i gotta recenter and realize i gotta humble myself and just focus on relearning and keeping staying with like the fundamentals of color and light. I think that's like, honestly, what goes a lot into 
a director of photography or just a photographer's job a lot especially if you're trying to like yeah it's color and light man it's a lot that's really all it is if you that's really cool. want to simplify it to two things <laughs> but I, I really was going to say like that really is amazing because i didn't know all of that about photography and how it kind of correlates a lot with just acting in general and just the film industry because there's so much that goes into it and even like if you're hiring like say a model for a shoot like you have to make sure that you know you only have them for a certain period of time you also have to make sure that they're maximizing you know the most of your your money as well because if you have to zone an area out to use or if you have to rent a studio it's just very similar to that like you really have to kind of go with the flow but also just kind of have a plan A and plan B before actually starting and shoot. Because like you said, the weather can change and shift or, you know, a lot of things can happen that are unexpected. You have to just be able to roll with it the best you can. Yeah, um, totally. And um, that's like, I, I love movies as well. So I, I definitely think like the way that I've learned to approach my spec shoots um have been heavily influenced by how the film industry approaches like TV shows, movies, anything like that. Um, because I also just pull a lot of inspiration from directors in the business, directors, of photography, producers, colorists, like the way they, how they work the way, I mean, like the really good directors when they're doing a commercial, I mean, they're sitting down, they're hiring like sketch artists because maybe like the exact shot you want to get, you can't find to put in a mood board. So you're sitting down with a sketch artist and you're kind of like working together for him, the sketch artist to literally draw the shot and illustrate where the camera's going to move exactly. And then you're doing this like frame by frame, scene by scene. And that's like where you really start to ascend into like the highest level. And that's like, ultimately I, anything that I do, I want to, I want to do it to the best of my ability and I want to do it to compete and contend and, and be able to like work with the best who, who do it like the best in the in the business so that's kind of why I get so I, I nerd out a little bit on it um, I, I do love it it's I'm very passionate about it I want to get to a point where I where I'm able to direct like a, a like a, a very high level you know multi-million dollar film or commercial or whatever you know um, but not yet <laughs> Still got a lot of work to do, but we'll get there. <laughs> You're definitely going to get there because yeah. if you believe in yourself and you work toward anything, I mean, it's, it's possible. And then sometimes it's just having the right people to back you and support you. But I had um, a question about the misconceptions of your job. Is there any big misconception that people have about photographers or photography? Um, yeah, I mean, let me think. Um, I guess about photography in general, I think... Um, I would say that it's easy <laughs> and you're kind of just like pushing buttons, which yes, in a way you are. I mean, I'm just pushing a shutter and I'm, and I'm editing on a computer on a keyboard, but uh, it's definitely not easy. And there's a lot of things like I've been doing, I just was thinking about this this morning um, when I was about to jump on how long I've been doing it. And it really has been like kind of a while. Like I did start on my iPhone. So I, I count that as time because that's when I first started learning about color and light and framing and composition and the basic principles of that but um it's been like almost eight years and that's like a long time and I and I all from that I just started thinking about all the things that I've messed up 
like all the times like I've completely blown shoots and had to like reshoot it or refund money. And like, it hasn't happened like a lot, but it's definitely happened at least once. And like, I would say that's the biggest misconception is like that it's easy to accomplish like a well-composed, well-lit, well-colored and edited shoot. And you can just kind of like whip it out without any forethought. That's definitely not true. And then like that it's cheap. (laughs) It's definitely not cheap to get into. It's definitely cheaper than I would say filmmaking. But I mean, you have to do put in a lot of your own time and money, like completely upfront to prove that you can do it if you want to get hired. And that's even like for portraits too. Like if you don't have any of your own work to show, no one's going to hire you. Um, even if it's for like a family shoot or like a senior photo shoot or a wedding or whatever. Um, so you got to put a lot of that time and money for like traveling and creating like a portfolio. And that's, that's very hard as well. Cause you, you know, especially as you get older, it was easy for me when I was a kid, but now that I'm older and I have like bills and responsibilities and all like different types of responsibilities, I got to feed myself and, and whatnot. Like it gets harder and harder to, you know, take, time away and have free time where you're not making money if you're starting out in life you know and i i agree with that dakota as i get older as well i realize how much money and time goes into your career versus some of your passions or things you want for yourself and and still being able to juggle everything which kind of goes into my next question for you um how do you balance your personal life as well as your work life Um, I don't, I'm so bad at that. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like the worst man. I'm such a workaholic and sometimes that's just how it has to be. Um, I don't mean to always. And I, I definitely can say like in the last year, I've gotten better about making a little time for social cause I do burn out. Um, I I do burn out for sure. And I'm always wearing like so many different hats, especially at this stage and season in my life. Um, Because I'm also like, I'm not just doing photography. I mean, that's, I would say that's part time right now. And not because I want it to be, you know, I want to be focusing full time, but I've got, you know, I I have this house project, like, I have to make money as well. Because like I said, a lot of times, like, I'm not, I'm at a phase in photography where I'm not necessarily making enough to just solely live off of that like and fix up a house and renovate all this stuff and it gets very expensive so being able to split time you know is is nice but ultimately like in order to advance myself like I've had to just sacrifice balance and you know a lot of times like balance is I think we sometimes forget having balance in your life is a privilege it's not a right and there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into achieving, achieving that. And you, you definitely have to earn it because if you really want to, like, if you're a single mother or father with three kids, like you don't have the luxury of balance. You have to work like hard, especially if you're not in, if you don't have a six figure job or if you do, and you're in like maybe a more expensive town than Albuquerque and you're in like in LA or like in Seattle or whatever in New York. And I mean, it's, it gets expensive. So I just think like balance is definitely important and I try to achieve it as much as I can and give myself time to have some, have some fun, 
and get out and enjoy the outdoors and, and take a break from just always thinking about work and money and finances. Like it gets exhausting for sure. And I burn out. And when I burn out, I take the time, but I do also understand, like, I'm very lucky to work for myself. And to me, this, the sacrifice I've made to kind of be completely unbalanced to where I'm completely just like working almost all the time is going to be worth it down the road so that I have more time and assets to buy my time back when I'm older. Hopefully, you know, by the time I'm 30, I won't be having to work like so many 50, 60 hour weeks or, or sometimes more. But yeah, that's how I would, that's what I would say, I guess. So. Well, I love that you say that, Dakota. I know for me, because I'm in my later 30s and I remember being in my 20s and having aspirations, things I wanted and then life kind of shifted pretty quickly and I had to learn how to bounce back from a lot of things outside of my control. But like you said, it is about planning ahead to a certain extent. Also being able to let people know that you need time. Um, an example of that is if you have family members who are, you know, I like to call like energy va- vampires at times who will just kind of suck out all of your energy and you don't have anything left for yourself. You have to let even friends know, hey, this is time I need for me. You know, when I do spend time here, I want to be able to focus in on you guys and myself. But when I am, you know, at home or alone, even if it's only five or 10 minutes, I still need to find just a little time to recoup or be able to at least journal or write or pray or meditate or do something that helps to recenter me before the next morning. Because if you don't at least find a, a minute or two to even stop, a lot of times you will start noticing, like you said, it can turn to burnout or compassion fatigue, which is something that many of us can struggle with at times, uh, which kind of goes into my next question which talks about COVID-19. Can you tell me about how were you affected um, due to COVID with your job and how did you manage to stay afloat during COVID? Um, damn, that was, yeah. Uh, that was a shitty year, man. <laughs> not going to lie. Um, leading up to that, you know, it, it, it could not it could not have been like worse timing for me, to be honest. Um, and that's, that's kind of like, I think what's contributed to like a little bit of a chip on my shoulder that I have. Um, Cause I really like suffered through that. Um, I, at the time, like in 2019 is when I purchased the house and leading up to that, I was selling cars um, at a Ford dealership here in Albuquerque. Um, and I was still shooting at the time and I, I ended up kind of like shooting a little bit more for the dealership. So I was taking cars out and I was um, shooting photos for their like marketing content. They were running a lot of like Facebook ads at the time and Instagram sponsored ads. Basically like they they were getting into like the, the social media space which is just kind of where a lot of advertising is now. So I was doing that and, but I chose the left of dealership because the selling cars were just draining me. It was draining the life out of me. And I, I just, I just hated it and I couldn't do it anymore. Um, so I, I worked that job long enough to get an approval and have acceptable income um, in order to get a loan for the house. Um, once that went through, I, I bounced and then that was October of 2019. So three, four months later, Um, so I've been freelance for three, four months. I have some things in the pipeline, but next to nothing in the pipeline. Um, I had nothing. All I had was my nest egg and I just bought a house. So now I have 
triple my monthly bills because um, I had been living with my parents at the time. Um, and so, yeah, I was super scared. And 2020 was just nothing but a grind. Um, I was learning how to fix up a house. I was apprenticing with a GC at the time, making like 15 bucks an hour, barely scraping by. Um, I skipped a lot of meals in 2020 to keep the house project alive and continuing to progress. Um, but I mean, that year really like made me and it making it through that, I would say it made me realize like if I could make it through that type of circumstances with that much uncertainty and lacking skills and understanding and really just any type of experience as an entrepreneur, um, I can probably figure out most of what the rest of what horrible circumstances life has to throw at me, you know? And so in a weird way, like now that it's over, don't get me wrong. It was, it was brutal. Um, but for me, um, like a lot of other people too. And I, at the time as well, like any of that stimulus money, like I didn't get any of that stimulus money to like late 2021. Um, so that also like was a bummer, not at least having that little help. Cause I definitely needed it. But I mean, I think like that is like the scariest part of jumping. Um, I just picked like a time to jump that didn't work out the best. But at the time, um, now I'm really glad that I, I, I did it when I when I could and when I was able, even though the initial first year was really rough, um, because if I hadn't have bought this um, property at that time, I, w- I would have been battling kind of the current housing market. And at the time I wasn't. And that's put me in a very good position to do some continue to invest. And then I don't know, just be in a more secure place financially in life with the equity I now have. Um, but yeah, like, I guess that's how I would kind of summarize COVID or 2020. Um, I, I did work a lot through that, just um, doing contract work. And then I had um, a retainer client locally who I still work with, um, Hansman Pottery. Um, and I shoot and make reels. I shoot photos for them. I do website maintenance. So I'm kind of like a one man marketing team for them, but I do a lot of things for them and they've, um, thank God for, for Hansel. Um, if I didn't have them, I I don't know if I would have made it (laughs) at all. Having that retainer income, even if it wasn't covering all my bills, I mean, that's very powerful when you have that consistent bread, when you're an entrepreneur, anything helps when you're most of your income is sporadic. And you're kind of just always hustling, you know? I, I definitely know that feeling, but I think that says a lot about you and your work that they trusted you and interested you to still work with them despite, you know, that was a risk they were taking as well. And I think both of you guys had a return on investments because you were giving them quality work and then they also felt like they could continue to use you moving forward. So that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um it definitely, they definitely, um, I was definitely an added expense that year for them as well, um, that they weren't used to having, but, um, they were one of the businesses I would say who, um, benefited from the shutdown because they're almost hundred percent online. So they actually did like double what they did in 2019 and 2020. So it ended up working out. Um, I definitely helped contribute to that somewhat for sure is like running social media ads and whatnot, but, um, yeah, I think that if I hadn't had them, I don't know if I would have made it through that year or still even be making it through life right now. 
thank God I have to work with him, man. So grateful for that, really. Yeah, I'm very excited. So I'm I'm definitely gonna let you shout them out again at the end of this podcast in case people want to check them out. But I wanted to ask you if you could give your younger self a piece of advice, what would you tell your younger self? Um man, I'm still pretty young, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I guess uh, <laughs> um definitely just figuring it out for sure, like most people, but I definitely have a lot to figure out with what I'm doing. And, but, um, I would just say like, for, I think for any young person, especially who has dreams of working for themselves or pursuing a non-traditional career, um, it's good to understand. I think that anyone you go to for advice in your immediate family, most of your friends, unless they're also in that field you want to pursue, meaning like a creative, being an artist, an entrepreneur, a business owner, no one's going to tell you it's a good idea. And if you continue to ask people what they think or what you should do, I mean, they're just going to project their own insecurities and failures onto you. And I grew up seeking advice from my parents too much. Um, they definitely did not, did not encourage me whatsoever. Um, and that I think kind of held me back a little bit is, so I guess that's what I would say to myself and maybe to anyone. If, if you're trying, or if you have dreams and you're thinking you might, might want to be an artist or might want to pursue a creative career, the less you're getting advice from people who aren't doing it themselves and haven't maybe made it past the initial five to seven year, um, I would say the brutality of the first five to seven years of going up against <laughs> entrepreneurship or building building yourself as a creative, then maybe maybe just only seek advice from people who, who are actually doing it. Because otherwise, I think you're just going to, my self-doubt just compounded over the years. And if I hadn't ran into a select few people who told me I could do it when I was getting ready to leave the safety net of like a W2 job and living with my parents. And like, if I hadn't met those people who like told me they thought I could do it and I like, I could make it happen. It would be hard, but I could figure it out. Like I probably would never would have. And then I would be probably super depressed. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it's such a stressful, like, freelancing is not something I want to do forever. And I'm working to kind of like establish myself to be a little more secure with when it comes to like income and getting consistent income. Cause I think that's definitely one of the pillars you need to have, like to be, in my opinion, that's one of the pillars of success is having that and money is not everything, but having consistent income to support your lifestyle and make sure and not worry about, you know, food and rent and mortgage or whatever is very important. So um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's what I would say. I don't know. Hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> I think you answered it perfectly. Cause I feel like yeah. sometimes our families do play a huge role in, in the things we choose to do, or even just their lack of, or their belief in something can definitely shift the way you feel. Like you said, it can lead to a lot of people feeling anxious or feeling levels of depressed feelings, even if it's not depression itself you know, it can be really difficult. Like you said, going through what you went through during COVID 
and then trying to rebuild yourself after COVID to a certain extent where you can build these genuine relationships where you can have these retainers and people who are going to continue to support you. It, it takes a lot of effort on your end, but also, like you said, saving and investing in yourself, because sometimes that can be the hardest thing of having enough money on the side for just in case for emergency purposes to provide a better life for me. And so I'm, I'm glad that you were able to, to share that with the listeners because a lot of people don't know which direction they're going in and just hearing your story might influence them. Yeah. Um... I still don't know what direction I'm going to most of the time, but I, I just have to kind of, the way I recenter myself is just looking back at um, whatever journal entries I have from over the years and, and really just kind of looking to the past to reassure myself and remind myself like what I have been able to make happen. And it was completely against all odds. And I could say with confidence, I probably most of the time was the only person who thought I was, gonna actually somehow pull it off you know the way I've gone about (laughs) my life and business and like entrepreneurship up to this point I would not recommend to anyone it's it's brutal and it's been just mistake after mistake but it's been also through that extremely educational um, and it's given me a very like I guess unique take on like how hard it really is you know that's another thing is like on the internet today, I think there's not enough people who are really giving like an honest portrayal or depiction of what starting a business or being a creative artist, whatever looks like they sugarcoat and they make it look like this fun, no sacrifice, travel party all the time, hang out with beautiful girls or attractive men, whatever. Like it's not, it's not like that at all (laughs) and like what you see on reels or tiktok of successful people enjoying and living it up with nice houses cars clothes and all that is like a product of a lot of sacrifice and suffering most of the time there's always the anomalies and anything i've said there's always going to be an exception but for the most part you know it's brutal for most people i think and i'm definitely one of those people it's been hard man but uh, I'm just glad I'm still able to kind of make it happen. And that's what I feel grateful for is to be able to, even though it's really hard, like I know that I'm still doing something that's building myself, my skill sets, my career, and I don't have to work for anyone. And no one can tell me that I'm fired because, and that to me is like the biggest blessing thus far and what has made it all really worth it. So Thank you so much, Dakota, for sharing that. I think that is going to be a big takeaway for a lot of individuals to, to hear that because sometimes it's hard when you have something secure that you feel is going to be, uh, you know, something that will happen the next 20, 30 years, then you feel like you don't need to venture out and do something different. But when you step out on your faith or your belief system that, hey, I can do this, and even if no one else believes it, I can believe in me enough to try it, you just never know where it will take you, even when you have those hard days. But you're right, like a lot of things on TikTok, Instagram, Snap, these different platforms, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors to a certain extent, or a lot of people in a lot of- It's all, yeah, 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 man, you're exactly right. I would say 99% of the stuff is all smoke and mirrors. And I know it sounds kind of cliche when it's like, just radically believe in yourself, like, 
I guess to break that down into like steps, um, what I do at least, um, cause most days, man, I, I struggle extremely with anxiety and depression. Like I have serious issues with that and I, I'm still battling it. and I'm much better than I was a year ago. But when I'm going through that, the way I, I think a great way to recenter when any, when you're not really sure of yourself or you're really like doubting yourself, just resort back to like the work you put in. I, I draw all of my self-belief and confidence from what I'm doing every day, the consistency of whatever I'm doing. Um, and that's where I pull and I'm able to kind of like recenter and in a way push back a lot of the doubt. Cause like I said, most of the time you, when you're doing something for yourself, you're the only person who really thinks you can do it. And like everyone else, when you somehow make it happen is most of the time going to be surprised except for like your very, very select few people that you have in your life. If they really do love you and care about you. But I would say like to break that down, I guess, like maybe not just yes, radical self-belief, but journal. I, I really journal. And like when I'm writing my daily stuff and I can resort and look back to that, it helps me so much in like reinstill that belief. Like, okay, look, I, I'm doing the work. As long as I'm doing the work, I'm good. And I can make it happen. Does that make sense? It most definitely makes sense. Yeah. And, and I want to give you a tip, like with the journaling that might help you as well. Like if you're able to write the date, and your time of the journal entry, as well as like a scaling from zero to 10, like how high or low your depression or anxiety might be at that moment. And then just kind of being aware of like your highs and lows of what are some goals you haven't met that you can revise and maybe in the next year, next five years or next six months. And then you have something to look forward to that way. When you go back to read your journal entries, you can actually see, oh, this is where I was at at this time this is where my anxiety and depression was. And then being able to see if there were people, situations or things going on that may have increased it to cause you to be in that situation. Or if you were able to work through it in a positive way where you didn't feel over, as overwhelmed as you maybe were years ago. So it's just something, it's always a good record, but it also keeps you honest with what you're writing. So that way you can just kind of be able to explore where your mind, body and spirit is, is headed in that moment. I love that. That's great. I think um, I've, I'm loving how much it seems like our current society is starting to recognize the importance of your mental health. Because for me, it's something I've always struggled with since I was a very young child. Um, I had a pretty, like most people, um, my family kind of sucks. <laughs> and I had a toxic, traumatic family experience, you know, and like, ultimately like if you don't have if you don't deal with that and you don't put in the work to heal from it you're gonna just end up damaging your future spouse or children or girlfriend or whatever um with your own i mean i guess toxic or manipulative behaviors so i love that our society is putting so much importance on that because in my opinion like when you do heal from it you're opening the gates to really fulfill like what you're meant to do and I believe everyone should and sh should have the opportunity to be happy and content and fulfilled. Maybe not wealthy, maybe not famous or whatever, but you can be, in my opinion, very fulfilled and happy and at peace 
um, without being extremely wealthy or famous or whatever, um, in whatever pursuit. And I think that's something everyone should be allowed to have. <laughs> it shouldn't, it, sh- it shouldn't be I like a, it. like, it's not a privilege. I think it's more of like a right, like you definitely have to work for it, but it shouldn't be a privilege. You know, I think everyone should be allowed to experience mm-hmm. that type of life. I agree. I want you to actually look up something at the end of this podcast. It's called The King and Four Wives. And it's actually, they have a video on YouTube with it. But there's also, if you just type in King and Four Wives, and it kind of breaks down like the importance of it. I think it might be something you'll really learn a lot from. And it might be something you can even use as inspiration just moving forward in your journal entries because it'll help to recenter the way you think about life itself and then also the people around you. Since you kind of mentioned about toxic people and the way people treat us or maybe the ones who really are there who love us i think you really enjoy that one it's something i used to teach a lot when i okay and um um, nice and i would always do i used to actually do fun like skits with it and because i think it's important for people to kind of know what that means to them and then also it kind of talks a little bit about spirituality so for people who have spiritual beliefs you can kind of know where you lie or where your your thoughts and your feelings are in the moment. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, thank you for that recommendation. Oh, no problem. All right, so Dakota, I have one last question for you. So I'm going to kind of put it into two parts. So the first part is, can you tell the listeners where can they find you online? And the second part of that question, can you tell people what's next? Yeah. Um, so my name is Dakota Cleveland. Um, you can find me on Instagram, um, LinkedIn, uh, Behance. That's probably where I'm the three platforms I'm most active on. Um, and then, uh, just my handle would just be at Dakota Cleveland. So first and last name and, uh, my website as well, just dakotacleveland.com. I'm there. There's a bunch of work on there. If you're interested in checking my stuff out, and uh, I think what's next for me right now, um, as I'm uh, nearing the end of this home project, um, it's going to serve as um, some passive cash flow income and enable me to buy some of my my time back. And I, I intend on doing some traveling, um, doing some traveling, networking, um, doing more uh, networking in the in the creative industry specifically, um, building some relationships in the industry. And, um, I haven't been able to do that because I've been kind of like inhibited financially, but, um, that was kind of the plan all along. And, um, so as this house gets going on, I, I, I plan on shooting much more, creating more spec work and, uh, just trying to like figure out where I'm going to land. Um, there's a lot of unknowns for me right now. And I, I, I think I'm, I'm just in a pretty heavy season of like reinvention. So ultimately that I think is what's next, but I definitely am going to be a lot more active within the next year online with sharing my work and creating new work as well. Um, so if you're interested and you like my stuff, feel free to feel free to follow along. Um, I really appreciate it. Well, Dakota, I'm definitely a fan of your work. I think you do an amazing job of capturing amazing pictures and just being able to create an an actual emotion in your artwork. And I feel like that is something that I love in photographers. 
when I feel like I can be transported into the space that they're shooting. And I just really, really was inspired by your work. So I just want to just tell you, keep doing what you're doing. I think you're doing an amazing job and you're going to definitely reach those points, those pinnacles of success that you plan for yourself. As long as you keep those people close to you that love and support you and you remember your goals, you pay your taxes, save your money when you can do those things, <laughs> you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that though, man. I, I love that you said that because, um, Every photo I, that I post, right, I, I create, um, I, have, I have a deep emotional connection to, and I want you to feel like you're there, and I want you to feel feel some sort of emotion from the way I structure the color and light. It's all intentional. Whether you realize it or not, it's it's meant to communicate something to you, for sure. So I'm, I'm, that's so cool you recognize that. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> I put a lot of effort into it. <laughs> Well, I can yeah. tell, like I said, if you had me actually taking pictures, the code would look a lot different. So I love, <laughs> I love people who are creative and things that I'm not as, as great in, but I can still support them, love them through it, and then also learn things. Like that's tips that I can learn. So if I ever have to take pictures, then I can say, hey, I can show your pictures as a framework of this is what I like. This is things that I, I, I feel are amazing. And then that might inspire that that person to step their game up. So I think Dakota, like you said, you learn from others. I think people can learn from you as well. Sweet. Well, yeah, I would hope so. Um, what little I do have to offer at this point, um, I hope that it some some younger people coming up, looking to someone older who's doing what they want to do, can look at me and um, just I'm just here to let it, you know it's it's possible it'll take longer than you think and cost a lot more and you might have a few breakdowns, but uh, it's possible. You just got to like keep picking yourself up. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much Dakota for being on black canvas. I'd love to have you back in the future. So like maybe when everything's done in a couple of months or years, when you kind of feel like, Hey, I want to really show you everything I have, we can definitely set up another one very soon. So it's just whenever you want to come back, we would love to have you. So open invitations to have you back on the show dude that would be great i really appreciate that um yeah i would love to i think there's going to be a lot of uh a lot of change i think i'm i can have this weird feeling i always get this weird feeling when i'm entering a new season but i have it right now so within the next six months to a year i think my life will be a lot different so i'd be i'd be super excited to come share what's going on at a later date absolutely well, thank you so much for making time to be here and let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. All right, Dakota. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll talk with you soon. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good one. Okay, okay you too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.